and welcome to our weekly ICT4D conference podcast. My name is Sonia Ritzel from CRS and I'm interviewing experts for you to talk about digital development trends, innovations and good practice. Today it's my pleasure to speak with Srini Narayanan from the Philippines. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me, Sonia. It's been certainly a long time. I'm still with Assist, Assist being a nonprofit headquartered in the Philippines, but with operations in another five countries with its own offices. And we work on developmental issues as with any other NGO. However, what is unique to us is the use of technology as a cross-cutting team that we would try to use whenever we are trying to build a solution for a particular challenge, be it nutrition, be it agriculture, be it literacy. We would always think about how can technology play a role? And that's what we've been doing for the last 15 years. Though I must confess, our interest in the use of ICT and technology in general has been much more pronounced in the last five to 10 years. It's also a reflection of the acceptance in the markets that we work for, which is pretty much in Southeast Asia, South Asia, and very recently off late in East Africa. So, you know, technology is getting quite commonly available. And uh, now we are able to weave digital technology solutions into the developmental work we tend to do. Excellent. Thank you. Now, you already said uh, you've seen some trends. I also know that particularly uh, through the pandemic has accelerated the use of digital technologies. What specific trends or maybe even skill gaps do you see right now? And um, have you seen any changes, particularly this year? I mean, certainly the pandemic has been a reset in many, many conventional thinking elements. I mean, everybody always loved technology and the use of the word digital uh, in the world of development. But I always thought that they did not fully comprehend it or its benefits. There were people who were probably still not fully convinced. But the pandemic has put an end to any such doubts. However, let me speak very specifically from the perspective of the Philippines, where I am based, and I would probably expand a little bit as required. Now, in the Philippines, digital technology, as much as it is uh, widely available, and we are considered IT call center, BPO country of the world, for the common man, particularly the vulnerable whom we try to serve, they still find access and affordability to be a challenge. Now, when those fundamentals still remain to be a challenge, the pandemic has just added to it, right? We are still working from home, but more importantly, students are still learning from home. Now, it could be high school students, it could be schools, vocational schools, it could be colleges of higher education. All of the folks are still working from or studying from home. The online classes have just started. And now we can see the various challenges that not the technology, but rather access 
and in case you could afford better connectivity all those differences are getting very very stark and clear the teachers are underprepared for preparing their traditional learning uh, materials as well as assessments and all that but i think the government is actually on the job not perfect but everybody is trying to step up to the plate and trying to make the best of the situation actually Thank you, Srini. I think uh, you're right. It's really a, a global concern that has been heightened through the pandemic. I wanted to ask you also specifically, as you've been talking about digital skills and skill development mm -hmm. for colleagues in uh, INGOs and other implementers, are there any specific trends or skill gaps you're seeing here, whether it's um, any relating to any uh, specific technologies or maybe the use of more data and platforms or higher risks of cybersecurity or if there are any any other trends like that you're witnessing or maybe even demand on certain training areas sure. i won't necessarily start with the pandemic let me start a little bit before the pandemic itself i think the need for digital literacy was highly recognized Now, what constitutes digital literacy or digitally enabled literacy was always a question mark. We have been working in the field for close to almost in this space, at least, or in this uh, thematic area for almost 10 years now. We were looking at, okay, if we can find a target group which is not digitally skilled enough. Now, it could be basic literacy of how to use a computer, how to use word processing, how to use spreadsheets, uh, how to do connections uh, using uh, chat platforms and online calling platforms. We were doing this already for several years because Philippines is a country which has a lot of diaspora which works overseas and families were always keen to connect with them And, you know, with the advent of technologies and, uh, you know, the ability to do video calls and things like that, people were very uh, intuitive and wanted to know about these things. And the vulnerable here could need not necessarily mean very young people. It could also mean the uh, elderly. Now, over the years, those things have become almost redundant because almost the younger generation and even reasonably Older people have become very familiar with the mobile phones and the use of technologies. It's almost like second nature to the extent that, you know, it's like switching on the phone and they know how to figure it out in a few minutes. So they did not need those literacy skills, though. I clearly remember about eight, 10 years ago, we would do these kinds of programs specifically. Now, we continue to do similar programs, but we provide simple certifications for such programs and many young people use that as a sort of a validation on okay i know how to operate a pc kind of a thing which they could uh, show in their interviews even at the entry level of jobs now we are talking about uh, young people who are coming from vulnerable communities who are probably not as articulate as urban Uh, children, including the urban poor. The urban poor had their own advantage being in a city. They were influenced by the city lights and they were probably a little bit more tech savvy in some ways. So the affordability bridge was not an issue there. However, over the years, we've seen both the donor community, the traditional donor community, which is 
multilaterals, bilaterals, I would include INGOs, have been using a lot of programs which promoted digital skills or and or digitally enabled skills. Now, what do I mean by digitally enabled skills? We have run programs on financial literacy. We have run programs on disaster preparedness, Philippines being one of the most disaster prone countries. We run several programs on disaster preparedness and we have used digital platforms to deliver these either in the form of e-learning or on video based learning. And these financial literacy modules were all short animated explainer videos. So we were using digital means to convey various literacy, not just digital literacy. So that was an increasing trend of late though. We are also seeing, uh, I would say only in the last three years and currently we are working on a project in the last five years, I would say. And then currently we are also working on a project on trying to promote the case of cyber safety, you know, what we call digital citizenship, not just cyber safety, but also components of cyber bullying. How do you know what's right what's wrong what should you be doing how do you protect yourself so this is meant for different levels of ages for young adults it might be about internet scams and uh, how do you protect your password and things like that but for children younger people much younger people it was also about the safety element and the not security but safety element and also the not getting victim becoming victimized by cyber bullying. So there's a lot that's happening in this space. Uh, we worked with UNESCO on a project called Digital Kids Asia Pacific, which was all about making kids more digitally aligned. And with along with the alignment comes the component of citizenship and things like that. So we see both the private sector as well as the development sector both interested in that. We also are seeing corporates interested in providing skills to future employees in the space of ICT skills. Okay, so there has always existed a gap between education being provided by higher education institutions, great education, but somehow there was always this complaint that when you graduate from school and come to the industry, the technology is a bit old. So, you know, a lot of corporates are very interested in working with development partners like us is to prepare grooming school kind of things where you do a rapid training program on agile development on cloud computing. The kids may have studied in university to a basic level, but here we get corporate partners to come and share their knowledge, share their expertise and share the learning. And we would facilitate that. Now we are doing that both face to face and now during the pandemic, we have started going for video based learning, self paced, but we are also looking at webinars and things like that to get these things to the young people actually. So few things happening. So in summary, I would say digital skills are still very, very valid, except what we used to train them on 10 years ago is changed now and it's more on digitally enabled skills, safety, security, is becoming an interesting and important component and rightly so. Once upon a time, our funders in the private sector used to be tech companies. While they continue to be tech companies, I can clearly see non-tech companies, but who 
still would benefit from digital technology also wanting to support any program which is to build digital skills or providing skills through digital means thank you so much yeah that was actually my next question to talk a little bit about the role of the other actors and you already mentioned the private sector the donors and uh, could you also explain a little bit more about um, working with governments and how those actors can support digital literacy initiatives absolutely absolutely the, the government is a key stakeholder in all of this if you are going to do ad hoc very focused on a ta specific target beneficiary group kind of a program you could still do it with or without the support of the government let's say you want to work with five schools you make agreements with these five schools nobody typically says no to something which is value adding available for free being delivered by a credible partner so that that typically works however if you want to look at something which becomes scalable replicable and probably even funded a little bit by the government also which which while it has its own challenges the government still has a lot of resources and uh, if you could do that nothing like it so our example has been uh, using our own founding principles which is partnership for progress so all our initiatives we have multiple initiatives where the government has played a significant role both the ministry of education as well as the ministry of ict and i i i can also speak about other government agencies which are slowly adapting learning platforms for their let's say for their ministry for example so it's not meant for their internal stakeholders for example the ministry of health has a academy which is meant for medical professionals out there and we have over a million plus medical professionals and thousands more coming out every year and they can go into this online academy to take on some additional courses which is all mostly available for free not mostly almost everything is free as long as it's through this government portal so government's role is extremely critical the philippine government in this case has a free wifi program has mandated the need for ict in education they don't have the infrastructure to back it up all the time but they try their best of course and they try to do a very good job of it for example very recently couple of years ago they've also mandated disaster management to be included in the core curriculum of school kids so a lot of things are being done now the government obviously because of this pandemic has come up with guidelines for teacher education particularly make them effective online educators okay so this was not existing 6 months ago so you can see that the pandemic is also making the government to think in these terms and not only think but we never give credit for government for being fast on something fast or very very dynamic but in these cases you know schools have schedules and you know you have terms and they had to get these things passed and they did it very well the net effect probably we will know a little later so government particularly here and for that matter in several of the governments we have worked with we find them to be quite open sure we will need to find the right person and the right amount of time to convince them okay but they are typically very very supportive 
and all the more supportive if they find a consortia which is also including civil society actors like us is private sector actors who bring in either technology or funding and the, the, then the government is certainly a very very willing partner in most of these cases actually uh, but one of the challenges that i notice in all these initiatives is the redundancy of some of the initiatives i suppose you can't help it so you know probably uh, a frequent mapping of these ICT for D kind of initiatives in a particular country, probably even initiated by the government, could always help in creating benchmarks, maybe fostering partnerships of tour groups which are working with limited resources. Why don't they pool these resources to achieve the common goal? So these are all things that are possible. But right now, I think the pandemic has given a new set of challenges, so everybody is dealing with it. This is not the time to go and convince them about newer ideas, even though in some ways this is also probably the best time to promote a new technology, etc. I'll stop there. Thank, thank you. Yeah, that's a very positive outlook. I like it. And I also like your very uh, holistic approach to digital and ICT for D. I'm through with my questions. Is there anything else you'd like to add? There still exists a divide digitally and uh, beyond digital as well. I'm hoping the pandemic will not create a further divide. In fact, the pandemic should be a reason why we all should come together. It is clear that the pandemic has made collaboration remotely, which was somebody from a whole old school like me who always needed a whiteboard and a bunch of people around me to discuss planning and ideation. I'm, I'm, I'm now getting very comfortable with doing everything remotely. So I feel that the pandemic shaped how we do things. And I'm hoping that it will also reshape how we do things good. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good rest of your day. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, Bye-bye. out there for tuning in. More information about our upcoming podcasts and webinars can be found on our website ict 4 Hope you will join us again next week.